0: Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay and Brad. Wait, wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an uh, act. All right. So you yeah, like my videos. radio voice? That is a smooth talking radio voice. As long as you don't cough, it's smooth. I know, but try not to cough and try not to sniff. Yikes. It's annoying. We are Brad's in, a little under the weather. We are in a fancy recording studio. It might sound even deeper. It actually right now. sounds really good in here. We should just do all of them in here. It's a little creepy if we have other, other people in here. It's really tight. But this is, a, this is what a recording studio sounds like. It really does. Yeah. So when we're just you and I, maybe the first part will sound better in here. Yeah. Our knees are touching. Yeah, close. Uh, okay, let's just, we have a long uh, and amazing part one, Ask the Addict.
1: Yeah, we're going to have several parts of this, maybe two or three.
0: I'm thinking maybe three. Longer. I'm thinking yeah. three. We and could come back and consolidate. Yeah, yeah. For but uh, the first one is uh, our guest, Our guest backstory and, and her story of recovery. And then I think part two will be her story as a therapist And then I think part four, we're going to have Janet talk about her, um, she's got some pretty strong opinions on marijuana. Yeah. And uh, that's hot in the news in California and and other states as well. Mm -hmm. So we will get into that. Totally. But let's do a couple news. This one was hot off the press today. LA Times, uh, faith groups, community gathers in Huntington Beach for a blessing of the ocean. A ceremony presented by the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council featured city officials and leaders of different faiths. Among the organizations represented were Salem Ministries, the Zoroastrians, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Mm-mm. the Tolerance Foundation, Huntington Beach Greater Center of Spiritual Living, Lutheran Church, and a Roman Catholic Diocese, the Bahai Faith. Wow, for what was this for? Inner Faith Blessing of the Ocean in oh, Huntington Beach. They bless the ocean? Yeah. With their faith? Yeah. The church was there? Our church had <laughs> nice. inner faith. So in most areas, there's an inner faith group, the Blessing of the Waves. Wait, what? So they bless you it should have it's, listening to this. I, no, I get it, but
1: I'm just saying, like, uh, I've never heard uh, churches blessing the ocean. Did they come down here and bless our, like, Salt Creek? Well, I, <laughs> uh,
0: uh, the cultural hall. What's the deal with it? Post, posted. I don't know. it's all it said in Huntington Beach. Okay it sounds hybrid, awesome that's why hybrid hybrid i want to know more like, article like uh bless it just for well let me tell you what cool. cultural hall posted it and they said jokes aside i'd be interested to know what our church members did to bless the waves that's what i'm saying my comment was i represented the, our podcast on here the waves have been firing the water's warm the tourists are gone No shark sightings in weeks, so I say the blessing worked. I think it's
1: totally worked. The (laughs) water is even warmer today than it was. (laughs) Remember when it
0: turned like 80? Yeah. It was right after the blessing.
1: Totally. And I haven't seen any sharks, and I've been, you know me, I'm the biggest pan, oh, extreme paranoia. Yeah. So, All things that kill.
0: All things joking aside, I'm into this. It worked. It worked. I'm into these blessings. I think when you
1: get that many faces together, it's got to work. It's got to. That's a lot of prayers.
0: All right. The other uh, besides the other news, suite is uh, President Nelson's birthday celebration. I heard
1: about that, and I need to watch it. I
0: heard it's like on YouTube. You can watch, um,
1: like the whole ceremony, like yeah, whatever it was. Good,
0: good one. I'll post that up on the show it's notes. Like,
1: yeah, it's like a minute or it's like an hour and a half. So I need to watch that instead of other stuff. I watch. I hope. Well, <laughs> oh, other news. I start school. What? Decided to go back to school. If anyone cares, that's news. Uh, Me in school? Are you kidding? Can you see that? You're a teacher.
0: Uh, you own a school. <laughs> I do. Worst student ever. What? Uh, it's going to be a good transition for you. Yeah. You're going to be calling me panicking.
1: Oh, for, I'm already I'm not ready.
0: answering my phone call on Wednesday nights when all your stuff's due by 11 p.m. Oh, bro, I'm calling you. Or on Friday night or Saturday. I don't know when your stuff is due.
1: I know where you live. I'll drive down <laughs> on my KTM. like
0: I don't know what Canvas is. I'm uh, like, Canvas? Uh,
1: I'm going to... Folks, know, folks, I, we live down the street from Toronto. I'm going to drive over.
0: But I do charge a pretty reasonable rate for tutoring if you want to hire me. <laughs> So we got that going for you. I got your rate right here. What? Okay. Um, I hope you and I are both kicking as strong as President Nelson on our ninety-fifth birthday, dude.
1: If we have half of his energy, we should be. We'll be serving still. That guy's a stud. Um, well,
0: I think the key is serving, right? Like he's, serving he's and slowing down. And
1: right? he and he still is active though. Like
0: right? Like I mean, the guy skis. Yeah. In uh, the winter, uh, he said. I think he still does, but maybe not as much. I'm saying he still gets out a couple of days a week. Um, that'd be awesome if he did. I just don't know if his schedule will it now. Not anymore. Yeah. Probably when he was in I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe before that. I'm sure when he's in town. Although the ski season's pretty, like, it's not all year long. So, like, we think of surfing. Yeah. You surf all year long here. Yeah. But skiing, and it's our bodies really, fall apart, yeah. it's really only December and January, maybe February.
1: Yeah. Uh, and they surf Utah where it's like <coughs> powder, so they fall. It's soft. Where we think ice you yeah, tell. usually when we're skating, fall on ice. Big Bear is ice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think of a 90-year-old on the slopes oh, of Big Bear. Yeah. You would die if you fall. Your hips would break in half, shatter.
0: All right, then the other last is uh, uh, a little, uh, we're going to shout out, and then encourage you to go check out Leading Saints. They just started today, um, although it'll probably be yesterday when I finally edit and post this up there, but the uh, Liberating Saints Virtual Summit. So, it's a week long virtual summit on overcoming the over addiction. So, they've got marriage and family therapists, psychologists, church leaders, ho- co hosts to podcasts are on there. What? Yeah, I was on there. Oh, wow. Apparently, I was today. Yeah, someone said uh, tonight they saw you. So, I'm wearing on TV. the same thing that I'm wearing I'm right now it, that I recorded like a month or two ago with, with it's Kurt. A good outfit um it's the good better and best of arp that was the best uh you were on that one so i just kind of rehashed that um i put together some slides for powerpoint and uh, put some tools out there for uh ward and stake leaders so uh we'll post that up there encourage you to go get your local leaders to log in and and learn from that rock and roll (laughs) Anything else? How's the surf then? Uh, surf You're is back in the I'm water. back in the post, water s- post surgery. Got a new surfboard too. What? Your I got, I got your wife can hear this, you know. Yeah, I got her one too. Oh, okay. Just to make her feel better. Okay. It's a foam top that I really wanted. She might not hear this. She doesn't listen. So does she got it, she got it. Does she know she has it? Yeah, yeah. This I gave it to her today in
1: order to pull, yeah, in order to pull mine off. I had to get one, but the best wait, part is it's the one that I'm going to ride too.
0: Did you get Oh wait. So So got, I got us both new you boards. You got one board? For both of you? No. You have two boards. Yeah, I got two boards. Okay, did you give her her board first and then go, oh, by the way?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah well, no, no, a... no, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm selling. I selling. I bought one to sell and then to buy it. Unlock your door. Oh, that's kay. funny. We, uh, we're, oh, we're getting kicked out of the studio, okay. so we're going to wrap this up. <laughs> All right, anyways, enjoy the rest of the podcast. Boom. Bye. Hello, I'm Jamin Act. Hi, Jay. It's good to be back. I'm grateful uh, to go over this step. I think this step is is a is a crucial one that um, that will take your recovery to another level. I think this is where I discovered um, the meat of why I was do- using. You know why I chose to go to drugs and alcohol or other actions and things that I was doing in my life. And I think until you do this step, you will still be confused. You know. So when I hear people like, "Oh, I'm," you know, I just I got this, I got that going on in my life, I just don't know why, but yet they're not doing st- their step work, then they're not going to get to the root of the issue, right? The root of the issue is not the drug or the alcohol, it's it's what's leading us to want to use the drugs or the alcohol or the pornography or whatever it is that your addiction is. Um, and uh, I, I put up a lot of false um, fear for this one, and, you know, the... James, we are just talking about before this that runs a San Clemente meeting. <clears throat> His acronym is false evidence appearing real when you look at fear, you know, false evidence appearing real. And that's for sure what step four was. There was, no, there was nothing to be scared of. When I finally did it, I put it off for so long. It was so stupid. You know, I had all these reasons why I was putting it off. And, you know, I went from everything to, you know, here to there. I don't even <laughs> get into my excuses, but of why I put it off. but. Um, when I finally did it, I was like, "Man, what a wow oh, man! It was so amazing! Like why would I do that? Like why did I wait And for me, it was a long time a lot of a lot of months in agonizing fear and resentments and stuff that I was still living in inside and I could have had myself rid from that if I just did this step and i I learned real quickly when I did this step, finally, in my recovery that the action for my life that's going to keep me out of my mind and out of my head, where I can get really cloudy, is action. Is I always have to do the next step? As cheesy as that sounds, if I'm not progressing forward and taking action, then I'm always going to live in fear and resentments. I'm always going to be um, held down by those things and my weaknesses. You know, where when I did step four, it was like. It and wasn't, it wasn't like like I know there's, for some people, if they've never really told anything their thing, then it's like going to the bishop for the first time. For me, that's not how it was. I didn't have a problem talking about my, my issues. I'm, I'm an open book. But um, it was more so realizing things like it says in this paragraph, you will learn that you are like other humans with strengths and weaknesses. You can begin to face others on equal footing. You know, for the longest time, I thought I was different. Like I really believed that. Like I thought... I for good reasons and for bad reasons, like I was terminally unique and I had a pro, I had like problems that no one else had, you know, and and when I got to share my fourth step with uh, my sponsor, which is the fifth step or you share it. Um, I got he you and know, I got to hear his some of his things, you know, and I realized, like, wait a minute, I'm not the only one that's done this. or I'm not the only one that has found myself in these situations. And that's freeing. Right. Like that's freeing for an addict like that has that lived in secrecy and some of your actions now some of our addictions is out in the public and people see it but we all know that there's things that we do you know in our you know that we're not that we're ashamed of or thoughts that we've had or feelings of resentments that we have you know these not even have to be actions i always looked at it as actions but i also discovered that part of my reason for using and and behaviors and stuff I, i had a resentment towards god that i needed to address you know that i didn't even realize i had i honestly didn't realize it wasn't one of my resentments i wrote down but it's something that came out during that fifth step, meeting, that I had resented God for certain things and I needed to get, you know, figure out if that was his fault or not. You know, it's not like you do this step just like any other step. It's not your sponsor's not telling you what to do or telling you this is how it is. You just listen and they offer perspective. And one thing I got out of it was that I need to get over it. You know, I need to get over some things and, I, and there were some things that I needed to address and I needed to figure out why they were there in the first place. And I feel like I did that. It was so freeing for me. I can't say that enough like it was the it was it didn't end all my problems it didn't end all my stress and worries and fear or resentments but it sure as heck started like it like kick-started the process even deeper you know like I thought one two and three were great I thought going to meetings every week for a year and getting a chip was great no doing these steps like this this is what sets it apart this is what turns it into like real in my opinion like real recovery I think before that it's kind of like You're you're abstinent, and that's great. That's for sure what you need to start with. But if you want to figure out what keeps you going to the things that we do, you know, that are harming ourselves and our loved ones, it says in here our relationships with God, others, and ourselves, you want to figure out why you do that? Or if you've been hurt by an addict and you want to figure out how to let go of that, you got to do four step. Talk to Lexi. She finally did it. She's not here tonight. She's bummed. I just texted her. I was like, man, this is the fourth step. She finally did it. And we've been doing this thing for five years. And she's talking about doing her own inventory and her own steps with the sponsor. And she finally, she finally did it. And she's like, said the same thing. She was like, get it. She just locked herself in a room one night. And I watched the kids and put them to bed and the whole thing. And she just did it. And she's like, she's like, I just, I never would have thought some of these things would have came up from my past. And she hasn't even met with her sponsor yet. Just doing the writing was just so beneficial for her, someone who's not even an addict. You know, this is just a person. But we, we we're told in the beginning when we read that anyone who, who, who adheres to these steps will, will find deeper understanding and deeper, like, you know, the spirit in their life, which is understanding and peace. And um, life is difficult. So why, why, why would we avoid these things? I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer. My, my biggest answer for why I avoid it is fear. And I said the, that's false evidence appearing real. So if you're living in fear right now and it's holding you back from getting the things you want in your life, ask yourself, how long do you want to continue to live that way? And know that's in your power to overcome. These steps will literally, with Heavenly Father, you get the blessings right away when you do them. Everyone in this room who's done these steps will tell you. And there's a couple here that just completed this step or who are on the step, and I guarantee we'll hear from them later. And they'll talk about how they were fearful at first, they did it, and boom. It just took it to another level, right? And then there's those who are facing it. There's nothing to be fearful for in this step. There's nothing to make any big deal about. This is amazing. This is, the, this is like part of the, why the whole thing works. And um, like, like it was said, this is the meat. This is the meat and the sandwich, you know? Like this is it. And I'm grateful to be here, and I'm grateful that I can look everyone in the eyes and say I did this step. For years, I couldn't say that. I couldn't sponsor people my whole first year because I didn't do the step. I, I froze, you know? So I get what it's like, and I was sober, and I was still frozen. So just because you quit doing your action doesn't mean you're in, you're in recovery because I know what that felt like. Yeah, I was better off than I was using, but I was still in so much fear. And um, I, I don't know how to, I, I've still had moments of fear for sure since then, but like, since then I've been able to get through them. I've been able to get through it. I still, you, you know, you do the 10th step and you do all these mini steps that are like a mini inventory, you know, so you never have to do this big one again. But this one will free you from so many things. And for the first time ever, I felt like I faced everyone on equal footing which was huge for me because I had so much shame, so much shame. On the outside, my ego was so big, and the way I walked around, you would think I had zero shame. But really, on the inside, there's nothing but shame and guilt. On the inside, it was nothing but someone who felt guilty and felt broken. But on the outside, it was like I knew everything. You know, that's the brazada. I mean, we all put out some way of, of hiding. That was mine. And this, this step finally got me to, to break that with my sponsor. And If you don't have a sponsor, if you're not on this step, don't worry about it do the step you're on, get a sponsor if you don't have a sponsor, and just do what they tell you to do. I promise you they're not getting any benefit. Like They're going to only tell you things that are going to help you. All that other stuff is created by yourself. It's fear. It's not real. And um, I'm grateful you're all here, and I hope that you share, and I hope that you'll talk about what's really going on in your life and and, uh, know that you're in a place with people who get it. And uh, that's a good thing. I didn't know rooms like this existed before I came and I'm grateful they do and I'm grateful you're here and I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
0: we're going to ask the addict.
2: Yes.
0: We have a special guest in studio tonight. Yes, we do. Uh, all the way in from where?
2: Laguna Niguel. Laguna in Wow, far um, drive,
0: far drive. Not a... Not
2: Five a f- minutes.
0: Five minutes. So uh, tell us who you are, and uh, we're going to start this with, like, what do you do now? Because you work in the uh, addiction recovery in the professional world. So why don't you introduce yourself?
2: I do, I do. Hi, my name is Janet Kennedy. Hi, Janet. And I have been around the field of addiction um, professionally for about 30 years. I'm a licensed marriage family therapist, and I specialize in struggling marriages, families with special needs kids, trauma, and then I've spent most of the years of my licensure working in the field of drug and alcohol. What that means is that I eat, breathe, sleep, and drink recovery. And I do it professionally. I've run drug treatment programs. I've developed dual diagnosis drug treatment plans. See, I can't even talk.
0: It's okay. It's late late Um, at night in the studio. By the way, yeah, we record these things pretty late.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But back in the back in the 80s I was one of the kind of forerunners I was running a drug and alcohol hospital program another you know, good old fashioned 30 day 12 step based program up in Pasadena, California Dr. And Drew?
0: Dr. Drew Pinsky?
2: He, he was at the next hospital I was at St. Okay. Luke's Hospital and he was at Austin Cena's Hospital and my my little secret about Dr. Drew is that he actually went to high school and junior high with my brother. Really? Okay. So we're kind of from the same neighborhood. Someone
0: in our ward that he was his he was their her mom's primary care physician. Ooh. Like that was like who she had a cold and sniffles. Wow. She go to Doctor Drew Pinsky before before he got have more down the Idea of what he does today, I guess.
2: I think one of the things that I like about Dr. Drew is that he's been willing to to go from from regular... Medicine because he's a specialized doctor? regular medical doctor. Yeah, and then he's sp- and then he veered off and really specialized in drug and addiction. Yeah, I only know him from that, exactly. Know. And he got so really I mean. involved in the Pasadena area and Los in yeah. Encinas hospital. I mean, now he's done you know Pasadena recovery center and he's done intervention. You know, he's done I, all of this. I posted a video things. on one of our
0: social media about Dr. Rue, and someone's like, Oh, can't you believe you did some TV doctor? I'm like, No, he's actually a legit doctor. No, like, he's a good guy. Like, he is on TV and he's a personality now. But he, if you're local in Southern California, like, he was a legitimate, like, normal doctor, and this passion brought him into the addiction recovery. Exactly. He's
2: a regular guy, mm-hmm. and addiction just got him. Yeah. It absolutely. I'm not saying he's an addict. I'm saying... It's a normie. It, like, to it, him it help. got him. He wanted to help, and he's committed his whole life to it. Yeah. But he's still... For all that he's on TV and all that he's on the radio, he's a regular guy. Mm-hmm. We he used to sit in meetings and things. Same as he was when I listened
1: to him on Love Line when I was a kid, when I shouldn't have been listening to You that. listened <laughs> to oh, yeah. K-Rock? Oh, yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up. That was all I listened to at night. Recorded everything I could oh, on a cassette. God. So Love I could Lines it used to be so funny. Took lessons. Funny. Oh, it was hilarious.
2: Oh, my God. I mean... But I was like Adam Carolla, like, was like, was one the of the original podcasters.
1: Yeah, Adam Carolla, yeah. He's the first. Original podcaster. 15 years.
0: All right, so what I'd like to do, and I think this... Uh, needs to probably be a two, maybe three-part series because um, I'd like to get into some "Ask the Professional" with you, and later. But totally, let's—we actually yeah. let's, have a lot. We of don't really have that, it. so maybe you could be our resident expert. I'd love um,
2: it. I'll be your Dr. Drew. There you go. Oh, no. That'd be awesome. Let's see. We have to give me a Dr. new name Matt. though. Drewina. Well, Drewina.
0: Well, we don't um, want to copy. Are you a doctor? No. But you're. I'm a, I'm a what, what are all the level letters? Level therapist? Therapist? Okay. okay. All okay. the
2: letters uh, are right. is that I'm a master's of science in psychology I then hold my MFT license in the state of California and I used to have it in Utah also and that's marriage family therapist yep. it used to be called marriage family child counselor which means that I deal with relationships any relationship so I don't deal with well I was about to say I don't deal with crazy um, that's left to the psychologist and psychiatrist, but that's not really true because a lot of times when I'm having trouble with me, that's a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's my relationship with me. So mm-hmm. I guess I do.
1: But that's what okay. does separate. Like when you get up to the. Is that right? The PhD? I was talking to another one of our friends that you know oh, okay. well. but yeah, the, I'm confused with it, too. I basically, like don't know.
2: basically, what happens is when you get a um, MD, is yeah. going to be your psychiatrist, and they're the ones that, that prescribe, prescribe medication. I know that part, yeah. Then you get the psychologists, and the psychologists are the ones that can do testing. Assessment and testing. Uh, to now, see if
1: you do have ADD or anxiety or the depression. Right, but
2: they use formal testing measures. Hmm. Then you get to the master's level, therapist, and what we specialize in is talk therapy. Totally. Um, Which I love. Obviously. And so the talk therapist, and there's, in California at least, well, and actually a lot of states now, is we have the MFT, that's the marriage family therapist, yep. so that's the relationship one. We have the LCSW, the licensed clinical social worker, and they're trained in populations and cultures. More on a macro level, right? And then we have the LPCC, and I'm not going to say too much about that because I have a bias. Um, there are a lot of people going online and getting their masters online for those and
0: the, the LPCC. Yeah, the, what does that the licensed for?
2: professional counselors okay and the one thing I won't go there because that's not yeah, we'll even fair we'll okay that, yeah. I, uh, but you're it there Janet. and so and, and so did you I'm practice at that under level. a certain
1: one because don't they have different types of that you can get like Jung therapy like is it Jung was one famous one like did you is there one that you kind of went towards and grabbed well the
2: reality is is that when I went through grad school in my in my um practicum, Mm -hmm. which means that I worked in the campus clinic at Cal State Los Angeles, and I had to do all of these hours as a counselor. And the first client that came to me was somebody who used to drive down, really great young guy, and he'd drive down the freeway, and he was a super achiever. And in the middle of the freeway, he would have panic attacks, and he'd have to pull over and throw up in a bag. And this happened three and four times a day. So he couldn't drive on the freeway anymore. And he came into therapy going, what's wrong with me? And so... They watched me do this case for a year, and then I would sit in supervision with one of my professors who was a Ph.D., and he's the one who identified what my theoretical underpinning was, Definitely. and my natural style is cognitive behavioral. Okay. Yeah. Well, the nice thing about cognitive behavioral is that that dovetails with 12 steps. I'm saying
1: it's like that's the addiction.
2: It is. It's the, it's the preferred addiction model. You hear now a lot about DBT, dialectical behavior therapy,
3: yeah.
2: but dialectical behavior therapy is... The the woman who developed it, it's a subset of cognitive behavioral therapy. Because what we're really all saying is that our behavior and our reactions and our emotions are a direct result of our thinking. Mm -hmm. And our thinking is a direct result or is the same as our perception. And our perception isn't based on reality. It's based on reality combined with our own personal belief systems and experience. Which is why we can each look at something different. And it's pretty and profound.
1: when you think about what you said, I know it just sounds like a lot If someone's listening. Yeah, sorry about that. But if that. you're an addict and you're listening to this, maybe pause, rewind 10 seconds and listen to that. Because when you start to realize, like, this is how I slowly, for me personally, and we'll keep going back, how I slowly start to overcome my shame is to realize, like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not, like, just chemically defective, right? I mean, so, you know, it was like, oh, there's, there's perception mm-hmm. things. There's, there's bias that have been taught and maybe my social environments. And uh, is this, this fall in line with bias? What do they say, um, psych social or whatever, like it's part of that code. Oh, content.
2: a psych social? Yeah. Like, well, a bi social is what I do when somebody comes into treatment.
3: Yeah. yeah. So, to so to if you, you check into at, my like,
2: treatment program or if you check into a hospital, Or even my poor clients in my private practice, because most private clinicians don't do it, but because I worked in formal treatment for so long, I do it. A biopsychosocial is just that. It's your biology, your psychology, your social, your spiritual, your recreational. It captures all of the dimensions of you, because if I'm going to work with you, this is all about addiction here. So if I'm going to work with you on addiction... I need to find out what makes you tick. 100%. Who are you? I can't just go, you're oh, just an you're, an addict. you're a junkie. Just a yeah, you're just some junkie. You know? Oh, he likes to slam. Or, Get off heroin, oh, you she be fine. snorts. Or, you yeah. know, oh, we have this kid under 25 smoking marijuana who's now having psychotic episodes. You can't just do that. you got to find out who this person is. Totally. And the one thing as a therapist, and this is something that when I was training therapists that I used to really, really say a lot, is that the reality is, is that psychology doesn't directly treat and cure addiction. Yep. Medicine does not directly treat and cure addiction. Religion does not directly treat and cure addiction. If it did, there would be no 12-step program. Exactly. Because we have all three of those
1: separated, right? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. What happened back in the 30s is these two drunks, you know, God said, you know, I, I... I mean, this is an LDS channel, so it's kind of like God went into the grove and said, Hey, dudes, yeah. I'm going to relieve you of your affliction. And little did they know that all these years later, we'd have... God, when I got... Oh, I didn't even mention. I'm sober.
0: So you are in recovery.
2: I am in recovery. Do you use Surprise? that term?
0: Do you use that term, I'm in recovery? Yes. Do you say you're an addict?
2: I tell all of my clients.
0: So actually. that's that's a curiosity. And let's rewind back to that phase and... and but uh, my first question to you is because I think there's a debate within the recovery community, especially in the therapists, of like, oh, you're not an addict. Don't say you're an addict because then you label yourself. Right. Um, and do you have an opinion on that?
2: Yeah, like, I do. I've got a really strong opinion and, on
0: and, that. And is that. If that. I'm not
2: being honest and if I'm not willing to be who I am, how can I ask you to be? Mm-hmm. So in my private practice, in, my, in what I do for a living, I can't, I don't, I'm not the, the kind of clean slate, clean wall. You come and you talk to me like, you, you know, why would you spend money to do that? Just go into your bathroom and talk to the wall. Mm-hmm. That's really my feeling about Someone it. of the nod and... You, yeah, yeah, you come to me, and you don't come to me to nod. You know, you can get that by talking to the cat.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> so you come to me because you need some relief. And there's a bunch of different ways that I can give that. And one is through my education and my training. One is as a therapist. Another is as a caring human being. And another one who's willing to connect with you without judgment. And I'm not part of your world. So I'm not biased. Yeah, yeah, I'm biased. Mm -hmm. I'm not biased. So
0: Mm -hmm. crucial. But
2: how can you connect with me if you know nothing about me? Right. Because that's where everybody makes a mistake, and they go to totally. therapists and they think, you know, ooh, you that's know. That's the
1: Hollywood version of psychology.
2: And, and, yeah, yeah and they, have, these they have great a, strong people, and they have a
0: belief about what your life is like, but they really don't know. And, and there's a wall up.
2: Well, you know, at least several years ago, the highest suicide rate among teens was in those that had parents, or highest suicide rate was in among those who had parents that were psychiatrists.
3: Mm, mm. Oh, geez, you know, psychologists
2: really? and therapists, kids are screwed up. Mm. Um, and that's not because we're worse that a lot of us go into the field to address our own issues. Okay. And so
0: what was your drug of choice
2: back Mm in the day? Marijuana. Okay. So I'm a pothead. Okay. But I am, I like to say I'm a toxic waste dump. Um, because basically if you handed me a tray and you said, take one thing off the tray and it had everything from heroin to alcohol, To coke, to speed, to you know, you name it. Mushrooms, don't forget those. To all of these things, um, and you said, "Take you can only have one." I would have taken the pot, no doubt. I didn't want to feel. Okay. I'd had some real pains in my life, and emotional pains or physical pains, both. Okay. Um, and so, and so, I just wanted to kind of numb out. Okay. And. I had found that, for me, alcohol made me throw up. And I'd throw up in your car, I'd throw up on your shoes. I mean, sorry, this is the truth. When I was out there, I'd throw up in your bed. I mean, it was like, it was really bad. Mm -hmm. And so marijuana did for me what alcohol couldn't, because I couldn't... I was raised to be a lady. I I come from an upper-middle-class background. I come from a really great... Family system, dysfunctional, it's all get out, but great family well, paper, system. Really yeah. <laughs> um really Yeah. You know, all three of us, our parents paid for us to go to college. We went yeah. to private schools. I mean, we had a lot of really nice things and really nice friends, but I always felt like I was from Mars. There was something wrong. I was really insecure. I was terrified. If people found out who I was, they wouldn't like me. And then when I got to college... What happened to me was what happens to a lot of women in college, and that is that I got raped. Mm-hmm. And I was actually gang raped in a fraternity house. Mm-hmm. And back in the 70s, there was no place to go, and there was no place to There's turn. There's no Me
1: Too movement? Hmm? There's no Me Too movement? No!
2: Um, they <laughs> there did. was just, like, no one to like, I was at the talk Univers- to you about? Yeah, yeah, I was at the University of Colorado in Boulder, and it was called Berkeley East at the time. And when I got the, to school, they handed each of us a whistle. And they were called Rape, the, the rape Whistles. Whistle. I've heard about those. The Rape yeah. <laughs> they were just like, yeah. um, But Jeez. I, you know, it happened in a fraternity the, this is house. Like a party. It was like and I, And I basically blanked out. And three days after I was raped, my best friend back here in California, my best beach summer friend, because I was raised in Pasadena but lived in Laguna during the summers at my grandparents' house, and my best friend Steve was killed by a drunk driver. Mm. And that happened in three oh, days, wow. and I had the epitome of a nervous breakdown, mm-hmm. and couldn't stop crying. And I called and said, can I come home? And my parents said, nope.
1: Yeah, we paid you know, you're going to stay. We you need to stay.
2: And I dropped most of my classes, and I went to the school counseling, and they gave me something that, I think it was Valium, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and back I took the 70s, it. that was the drug of choice. It just made me totally, I didn't like it, I flushed it. And I started smoking pot. And I didn't stop smoking pot until I got sober when I was 30 30 years old.
0: And you you weren't a member of the church at the time? No. Okay.
2: uh -uh. Um, Kind of funny little piece of me is that I was at Boulder, Colorado when I got raped. But I was skiing. And I was skiing on the the, um, Pro-Am Freestyle Circuit and I was working See that
0: slowly pro am freestyle Pro-am so that's that's
2: freestyle. the that's the
0: moguls I don't know if you call them bumps or moguls and you like
2: I'm a bumper you
0: come down and then big jump kick it out flip uh, is that right forget the jumps
2: forget the is flips. it just just straight I'm down? Just yeah the okay. people at that time the, it, no wasn't was a, it wasn't it wasn't an olympic sport yet those guys went to europe that was Susie chapstick and yeah. and all those guys they went over to europe where insurance didn't care if they went upside down um, <laughs> We just we didn't have jumps built. We just it was called hot dogging. Okay, just yeah, back left, right, left, right, left right. right, yeah, crazy. And looking. so I kind of did with skiing what you guys do with surfing, and I I'm a skiing. It's a little head. easier
0: on our knees than what you were doing. Yeah, surfing
1: is. Yeah,
2: was so gnarly. <laughs> when they hit
1: moguls, yeah. I always skied one time and I snowboarded after that. But it looks so gnarly on the knees. So you had. so Well, you I did don't that. know.
2: I used to surf. Yeah. And I was surfing Thalia Street in Laguna Beach with my brother, and I think I was like 17, and he That's was probably shoulder. 15. <laughs> and he shoulder-hopped me, and I had a Hobie Eastern starboard at the time, and it went straight over the falls, and when I watched it break in half, I uh, kind of went, uh, <laughs> surfing is a contact sport. Oh,
1: I definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so, so, so you didn't grow up in the church, You have this, but you're super physically active.
2: Super physically active, and didn't grow up in the church, actually grew up with a dad who used to sit at, at the table, and whenever I'd talk about wanting to go to church or go to a teen uh, breakfast club, because there was down. something in me that always felt like it was missing. Totally. And my dad would sit there and go, Bible banger, Bible banger. And he'd basically humiliate me out of it. And his thing was... Is when you were
0: showing some interest in religion.
2: Absolutely. Okay. Um, some, intimate, some interest in joining a group. And his thing is, is that strong people don't need groups. Only weak people and sheeples Need groups. Especially religious groups. That was groups. a common, like, that was in my family, too. It wasn't was necessarily it?
1: said as, as my, my grandpa would say. It wasn't as much, like, as, a, as negative, but it was it was definitely more like, you can do anything with your mind, you know, which is true to a degree, right? It's a true statement, but uh, for some people can, right? Yeah. But uh, not when you've experienced severe fear, pain, you know, hurt or whatever. Trauma. Trauma, trauma, right? Like, and uh, everyone's trauma is different, right? Some have extremes. That's right. Some people can have their teddy bear taken away, and for whatever reason, that kid... Relates to that the same way as someone who's got beat by his father. You know what I mean? Like, we just, we're learning this now, right? You know, but.
2: I can't you know. tell you how many times I hear people, either in meetings or in my office, go, oh, well, their story is so much more worse. I'm not entitled to mine. And I always cringe. Oh, you're yeah, like. Because, because it's in like. They're holding themselves you're not back living from, you know, their mm-hmm. experience, you're living yours. yours.
1: And, yours to and just for you,
2: it's an eight. And for mm-hmm. them, it's an eight. Even though the story yeah. one makes for a better story, yeah. society the accepts The experience one as is the yeah. same. It's
0: totally. real to you. So, so you had a little. So, okay, so you're so you're not religious. Um, active family, and as far as academic, and, and you started using different. marijuana to cope.
2: Started and using marijuana now, to cope because marijuana is a
0: different now than it was then so was it shameful oh. then or was it like because this is colorado one of the first states to think, like, well, just the drug in pot. general i mean this yeah. is a fact yeah. like the was, actual potency was, of marijuana today well
2: kid. i'd love to dedicate a piece of a podcast with you guys to pot because kay. i've got some four stuff part, really four, part four part series about pot
0: but my curious was at that time like if you were in 700%. college smoking pot now it, it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but was it that big yeah, of a deal there? Your, like no, I'm gonna I'm giving my age up. This is 1974. In
2: 1974, so, so. I'm in Boulder. It's Berkeley East.
0: So it was Pots. common. It was really all around. Common. Okay.
2: But the pot we were smoking, unless it was like skunk bud or something like that or tie stick, the pot that we were smoking is kind of like mown lawn. Okay. Um, and you'd it's buy a two like finger bag and a three finger bag, and it had about seven percent. Jay knows what all
0: this means. I have no yeah. idea. Basically, it was. I
1: can it was as if I took a. If we went to the dispensary there in Santa Ana and we bought a little like you know piece, which we call a nug of marijuana. Just take the smallest little mustard seed size of that. <laughs> that is what a whole entire Ziploc bag of what they used to smoke. Well, that little s- s- bowl yeah. that I would want well, It's one a different drug. Would, like, would, it's would, a different... Could make you, yeah, the, hallucinate the compared to back then. Yeah. It take bags and bags and bags. It was more of a relaxer. That's why she yeah, said she's dumbed no out on it.
2: Um, we didn't, now you hallucinate. We didn't understand. <laughs> it, they called it a hallucinogen. And it's like, no, you no don't. it's not. is yeah. stronger than this. I switched to marijuana, and I know a lot of people switch to marijuana. Totally. Because a little vising, a little perfume, a little, they had benaca back then, but a little mouthwash, and you're good to go. Yeah. I used to drive a company car after I got out of yeah, school. Alcohol, you
1: ruin, you smell it, you look like it, you act that way.
2: And you out, and yeah. you have blackouts, yeah. and you say things you don't mean to say, and yep. that doesn't happen with pot. Totally. So I was able to zone my feelings without foregoing being a lady because I did a lot of things behind alcohol that I'm really embarrassed about. Totally. Um, as
1: most, as most. <laughs> exactly. Right? Like, there's something yeah. about alcohol, Brad, that will, and people are listening, if you're, if you're like thinking that maybe alcohol, you know, it'll be better than heroin, you know, because that's what addicts do, right? We're always trying to find the next thing until we get real recovery. Mm-hmm. Trust me, yeah. that alcohol can make it, you, you, it's the most socially acceptable, but it is yeah. like, the most like you can—I mean, horrific things that you do to yourself and let be done to you. It's like it takes and fear. Like that's why people drive drunk and do
0: these great. Yeah. You think you're invincible. That's really it. Is, really the, like, it is like, the most dangerous product. Like more oh, deaths yeah. of alcohol than any totally. other things. Yeah. but we yeah. think about yeah. they put a lot of money behind well, marketing. Withdrawal.
2: I yeah. mean, heroin withdrawal yeah. is not deadly. Not deadly. Yeah. It's so painful; most it people like will go through it. I mean, between the diarrhea alcohol, and the cramping die. and the sweats and the, and the vomiting, you,
0: know, you will die. They're not going to. No,
2: they're not going to. From die. alcohol, you go. But they run from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But alcohol, a significant percentage of people who, if they're not weaned off of the alcohol medically, their heart will stop.
0: Yeah. You know. So, so. you. So you're uh, coping. You know, all you're all coping with, <laughs> with. Yeah, yeah we're coping with marijuana. Uh, yep. 1970s marijuana. Um, where does it go? And yeah. did, did you get recovery first? Did you join the church first? Okay. That's so what ended up those. happening
2: is is that when I got out of school, I went into... You
0: graduated from your, graduated your bachelor's in psychology.
2: In psychology. I transferred from... And this is where I first got introduced to the church. Um, I graduated from the University of Utah because when I was gang raped and had my nervous breakdown I dropped out of school and I went to snowboard in Salt Lake City and I skied for a year okay and I was and will forever be grateful to my friends where'd you live um
0: Just curious like were you there in the valley of lived, Salt Lake yeah or I lived up in in, the in
2: Mount Olympus I lived in a couple different I lived in Sandy I lived in okay. up in Mount Olympus area
0: okay
2: and um Stuck my thumb out and hitchhiked up the. It was cheap to hill. live,
0: and you can thumb it up the. Super cheap, right, and skiing and, was dirt cheap back and then. And then I went
2: back to Salt Lake. I mean, I went back to Boulder to prove I could do it, and then transferred to the University of Utah, and I graduated okay. from the U with a degree in psychology. I'd fallen in love with psychology because if it of wasn't your own psychology. Tr- did
1: that help you? Because remember, you said you were going to the counseling.
2: But no, no it wasn't the because weed, of weed that. We was more
1: of your mm.
2: human people. And I think that that was because I always felt so different as a kid.
1: You wanted to connect.
2: That I wanted to understand. Mm. And it helped me understand, and I found it fascinating. Um, But my other love was sports, and so I thought about special ed, and I thought about becoming a sports kinesiologist and all these different things. But be that as it may, here I am in Salt Lake. I graduate from the U, and then I marry a Laguna Beach lifeguard. Okay. And it was during that marriage, and he that was you a, met in
0: Utah, or down? Oh, because you were traveling back and forth here, right?
2: Right, our summer house. Okay, yeah. And boy meets girl on beach, and, and <laughs> he was system. 10 years older than I was, and he was a civil engineer, and you're hearing this build, and <laughs> he's a vegan and a teetotaler, and he was as rigid and is a box as, as you can imagine, and I couldn't breathe, and I was terrified. And I was 23 years old, and he was... 32 years old, and he knew what was best for me. That's when I learned how to lie. Mm -hmm. And while he'd go to work, I'd be doing things I had no business doing. And when he'd come home from work, I'd say, oh, I went on five job interviews, and I applied for this school, and I did this and that, and none of it was true. Um, The marriage only lasted six weeks or six Mm -hmm. months, and I then spent the next couple of years trying to hold it together, and I got into my dad's industry, which was the insurance industry, and I ended up working for the Hartford Insurance Group downtown. And I carried a briefcase.
0: Downtown Los Los Angeles. Angeles. I
2: carried a briefcase, and I looked good. I wore my business suits, and I flied the red eye back to... You know how to play
0: parts
1: in psychology.
2: Bingo. And I was stoned the whole time. (laughs) Little perfume and I, a little perfume in the eye. I'm sitting yeah. here. Sorry, audience, I'm sitting visine. here like doing visine in my <laughs> in eye. Eyes. You can't see this, but you know. Um Help you overcome if I was drunk, I'd probably put perfume in my eye. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what I started doing was leading a double life. And that's actually what brought me to my knees is that by day I was this company car driving professional dealing with million dollar, multi-million dollar accounts in a pretty respectable position with our in the Hartford mm-hmm. Insurance Group um, National Sales Division. And then the minute I left or during breaks, I went down underneath the, the building and I'd smoke a joint, and driving home, I'd smoke a joint and drink a six-pack on the Pasadena Freeway. And then I'd get home and I'd go to my little brother's, because they always had really good drugs. And I'd go to my little brother's house, and I'm in my business suit. Now, I, I'm hoping you can visualize this because it's really gross. And I'm in my business suit and I get to my brother's house and his roommate had a parrot. And this parrot had a cage, but wasn't caged. The door was always open. And I mean, if any of you have ever had addiction, ha ha, said tongue in cheek there. Um, They had the 50 gallon trash can because that's what you needed to put your beer cans and your bottles in because a small trash can, you have to empty it too often. But they still didn't empty it, so it would be full, and there would be beer cans lying all around. And then on the the coffee table, they had this huge ashtray, and it was for cigarettes, but it also had lots of roaches, and that was what we called the butt ends of marijuana cigarettes. And it would be full of these roaches, and the house was just trashed. And they were doing other drugs, but they knew I didn't, so they'd do those out of my presence. But inevitably, I would get drunk enough and stoned enough that I would end up sleeping on their couch. And this sound
0: like a Wednesday night, a weeknight? Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: Oh, yeah. And I would be still in my business suit. And I would, and that was at the time when, I, when we still had to wear nylons and pumps and skirts, business suits, not pants. And I would wake up in the morning and the bird would be on me and I would be covered with bird poop and I would vomit into my cup because I was so hungover and I would go home and I would change my clothes and I'd go to work and I'd do it all over again and by the time I was 29 years old I was dying Mm. there was not a lot left of me and so I looked good on the outside I was this robot I could suit up and I could show up and I could perform but if you looked at my eyes and if you see pictures of me they're flat. They're dead. There's mm. nothing going on inside. And all of the dreams that I had were gone. All of the goals I had were gone. I hadn't gone out on a date in two years because I was horrified and t- scared to death that if I went on a date, they'd see who I was. And that wasn't okay. And
0: Because at that time, did you know you couldn't get out of that? Like, you, you knew you had a problem. Did you know you had a problem? Like, this was an every night occurrence?
2: No, I didn't oh. know I had okay. a problem with drugs like, and alcohol.
0: Like, was it still fun? Still was it still like, hard. I'm just partying, having a good time? Or was it, did it turn to I just to thought point I was of, crazy. Okay. I just
2: thought I was a loser.
0: Okay. I didn't know... Even though you were successful.
2: Right. I didn't know that drugs and alcohol were destroying my life. I thought they were the only thing making my life pleasurable. And so I don't know why or what happened, but I remember sitting... I was 29... No, I was 30. For my 30th birthday party, I um, locked myself in a room. And for my other 30th birthday party, I was at a friend of mine's Mike's house. The disease has since killed him. And the party, I passed out on the couch and the party went on around me.
0: For your own party? For my
2: own party. I don't remember my party at all. But by this time, I wasn't hanging out with people who had jobs because I was hanging, because I couldn't handle it because I figured you were better than I was. Mm. And addicts understand this when I'm saying this. It's, it's kind of like you start to select lower companions because you then you better. don't feel so bad about yourself. You're the best one in the group. And you can look and go, well, you're an addict. You're an addict. I'm fine. I just smoke pot. Mm. Um, you know, I had a roommate who ruined all my pots and pans by cooking up crack and so it's like they had a problem. I just drank my beer and smoked my pot.
1: Mm -hmm. I have a job. They know. Oh yeah, Yeah, I have a job. All these things that you
2: compare. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, one day that just didn't work anymore and I remember I'd gotten up and I was getting ready to go to work and I might choke up right now because I was just 30 and I've got a beer on the couch at 6.30 in the morning. I have to drive to downtown Los Angeles from Pasadena. And I've got a beer on the couch, on the, on the coffee table. I've got my joint right there. And I've got my cigarettes. And I'm watching the 700 Club, Pat Robertson, mm. on TV. And at the bottom of that, they have this ticker tape that goes. And the ticker tape says, prayer line. And I distinctly remember looking at that and knowing I couldn't call that number. Oh, I had my phone right there. I put my phone right in front of me because we still had
0: cordless, the you know, rotary we dial have
2: cordless. It's, this is, She's doing
0: a rotary dial. Yeah, you guys, I'm method. really
2: old. So I didn't say mm-hmm. this already. I'm 33 years sober now.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: I'm one of those really blessed ones that once I got sober, I stayed sober, knock on wood. I haven't had to experience relapse. But so we had good old fashioned phones attached to the wall at that time. And I'm sitting here, and I knew that there was no help for me. And the next you, day... Meaning
0: I, that phone number is not a help for you? Is that yeah, I can't
2: call. There's no God there for me. Yeah. I'm too horrible. I'm a lost case. There may be a God for everybody else. There may be help for. And you grew up with
0: no religion, where Dad community. kind of made fun of it. Did you think there was a God that existed, or yeah? So you, you
2: yeah. And I was baptized had, Presbyterian. Okay. Um, I'm second generation Scottish. My okay. dad's the only one in his family born here. Okay. Um, so really strict. So, so this high higher power was there,
0: but you'd felt that you'd done, you'd gone too far. That the love of God was not for you.
2: I didn't understand anything about love of God. Okay. All I knew was loathing of self. Okay. I, I mean, I don't even think I could think that far anymore. The, okay. My brain was just too... The first chapter of the 12 and 12 in Alcoholics Anonymous, the first, the first paragraph of the 12 and 12 in step one, talks about we have warped our minds to such a degree that there is no human remedy. And... That was my case as I was so warped that I couldn't even think of what a higher power could do okay. for me. I just knew there was no help. I'd been in therapy for years, thousands of dollars thousands. I owed a therapist like three thousand dollars. He and I used to sit in therapy and we he would pour me a glass of wine and we'd drink a glass of wine and he would talk about his son who was being treated at Los angeles for cocaine. Hmm. And so
0: and for I'd it. never heard of AA
2: <laughs> and charged <laughs> yeah. me lots of money yeah. and he had lost his, his, not priesthood, he had lost his ministership um, because he liked being unfaithful to his wife with all of the married wives in mm. the congregation. And this was normal. It didn't occur to me there was any wrong. I was that distorted that it didn't stop. And he'd go, you know, I'd go, what do I do? And he'd go, you know the answer. When you do, when you figure out the insight, you'll get it. And it's like, I've got insight up the yin-yang. But I don't know what to do to change it. And the day that I sat there and I hit that emotional bottom where I said, there's nothing that I can do. I can't call a God. The next day I got a phone call from my dealer and he said, I know you've been in trouble. He'd been gone for a while and I didn't know where he was. He said, meet me at San Marino Community Church Monday night in the basement, 7 o'clock, and I showed up and he didn't. And it was my very first twelve-step meeting.
0: He oh, invited right. Your dealer invited you to a twelve-step meeting.
2: He had been gone to rehab for thirty days. That's mm. why I hadn't seen him. Mm. And he didn't end up showing up that night, but I did. And I didn't stay sober. I mean, these did guys you, were Did crying. you walk in that meeting? I walked in. You actually in, walked, walked in. in, in the and the you knew it was a twelve-step
0: meeting. Did you know it was a twelve-step no, meeting? No,
2: I didn't know where you're I was like, going.
0: Okay. And it was actually. It wasn't an AA
2: meeting. It was an NA meeting. Okay. There were seven people in it. They were all wearing black leather and tats, and yeah, we're all junkies. We're heroin addicts. I'm this nice little Pasadena, San Marino girl, you know, and I didn't understand that world at all. But the seven of them were sobbing. They were crying because the night Did, before. But I'm,
0: I'm so intrigued. Like you walk in, you see these dudes are all dudes. Did you like? I'm out of here. Or uh-uh. what? What pulled I you sat in? The, down. What pulled you in the meeting? You don't know.
2: Well, I know now, okay. but I didn't know then.
0: Like, not a person didn't pull you in. No. You just saw no. this, and then you're went sitting in, down. I in, I sat and down. And higher power and they kind of wanted, pulled you
2: They in. had what I wanted. Okay. They had feelings. They were crying. And they were crying because they had a teenage member who the night before had relapsed and he'd fallen off a curb and had gotten hit by a car mm-hmm. and killed. And they were crying for him. They were grieving. Mm-hmm. They were feeling pain. They were hating this disease. And I desperately wanted what they had, but I knew I couldn't have it. And when I hit the parking lot in San Marino and hit my car, the first thing I did was light a joint. Next thing I did was go to a go to a liquor store. But the next week I went back, hmm. and two days later was my last drink. Hmm. And so what I know now, in retrospect, is that my God, my first God, when I first got sober, um, was a really simple God. It had to be because I was really, really angry. I didn't want anything to do with religion. It let me down. It never fit. I got raped. God doesn't do things. You know, it's blah, 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 blah. And so any religious talk just drove me out of a room. But if you told me that God could stand for good orderly direction or group over drug, I could hear that. And I was so desperate and so hungry. So
0: repeat those acronyms again. Okay, those are good. We like acronyms. God,
2: group over drugs or group over drink. Okay. Or good orderly direction.
0: Are these uh, NA sayings more than no? AA, they're AA. just AA sayings. Yeah. Okay. So um, those are those that are first coming in and not you know they're not ready to accept. That's like a lot of
1: us, well, like you and don't, Xander, so like,
2: I don't, yeah, I don't phew, hear religion. those a lot anymore. Okay. And back in the back in the '80s, we said it a lot, um, but I don't hear it, so I tend to say it.
0: Okay, yeah. you know,
2: I'll be one that says it in meetings because mm-hmm. I want newcomers to That's hear that. That's how James yeah. was
1: like. James, would, so the guy who runs the San Clemente for me and Xander. Uh-huh. was sitting here um, when we went to our first meeting, and he was, you know, born in the church, right? So born religious. I was like you. Um, but I, we both were at a place of, like, God, we're, we're beyond, plus we're pissed off. If he is there, I want him to know he's mad, all this stuff. But the acronyms were literally what led us to, like, back to him. Like, those types of acronyms. Like, we could get that. That was, understand, like, praying and asking forgiveness way too far down the road get like, on
2: your knees yeah I don't think so I don't so. think i prayed for
1: a while like it was but if I lived these acronyms when they were said to me fear false evidence yeah. appearing real then I was like alright I gotta stop that so, like, so this, okay. is, yeah. fear, this is fear
2: false evidence appearing real or F everything and run and run yeah <laughs>
1: these are all the acronyms. what's recovery I don't know the one for that huh? I don't know okay
2: and big, I just went bigger. blank. I, I can't saying, remember. That's a big one. That's a bigger one. And it's a good one. While you
0: think of that, I think this is helpful for, because we have listeners that are in recovery, those that are thinking about maybe they're beyond hope, and also loved members, loved ones. Um, and I think that's helpful, for, especially our last couple podcasts for loved ones, is sometimes our answer is members of the church is like, oh, you got to pray, you know, with this conference talk, and they're not there yet. And so just... The simple concept just of a take god. the sacrament. Go to the temple. Just, like, just simple, simple break down the simple and these acronyms. And of,
2: this is one of the of things. Group
0: over drug or group over drink.
2: Ben, Gru- there's a difference between compliance and surrender, and it's a really, really important difference in recovery. And. Um, A guy named Harry Taibo was the first psychiatrist who ever wrote about Alcoholics Anonymous. He was one of our earliest friends. And so in our origins literature, you'll find his name. And he wrote a talk about the difference about alcoholics are the strangest people because they're the only people around that, no matter what facts face them, have this ability to deny it. And so he really talked a lot about our denial and he talked about our tendency to comply and look good, but we're not fully surrendered and that until we were truly surrendered, we had no chance of staying sober. And that ties in with the spiritual component of the Mm -hmm. program because if I haven't surrendered to a power greater than myself, who I now say is Heavenly Father as of 2009, but golly, I was 20 years sober. No, I was 23 years sober when I converted, so we that's skipped, another story. We skipped ahead,
0: but, but yeah.
2: back to this is is that um, if I don't surrender, you know, remember Wizard of Oz, surrendered Dorothy, mm-hmm. um, or if you if you think of World War II and how the Japanese surrendered surrendered. They didn't say, here, you can have this and I'll keep this. Or they didn't say, we'll pretend to surrender and next week, mm-hmm. watch what we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, it's no. It was all right then. It was
2: all. Yeah. You know, their country was devastated. It's all done. And when I got sober in the 80s, it was like, and look at them now. They were so powerful. And, you know, all the electronics the and was everything.
1: like on fire in the And 80s. so...
2: Surrender doesn't mean you lose. Surrender means you join the winners. Mm-hmm. That's all join, it means. Join the winning side, yeah. Yeah.
0: So that only took two meetings to the second meeting, you said? Oof. No. Because you went to the first meeting with all the guys that are crying. You went back the next week.
2: I'm going to make him fully crazy. You know that. I'm bouncing all over no, the that's place. Oh, I love it. Oh, Brad. No, this is, back, yeah. this is a life of, okay. of stuff that I'm giving okay, you. So, so I went to these meetings. Back. Yeah, that's,
0: I'm back into that. I'm picturing the dark room in the basement, leather, tattoos,
2: this dolled up week. sales girl. Went back this week. In. Somebody said, hey, Wednesday night at the Women's Club in South Pasadena, we have this what we call a speaker meeting. I didn't know anything about it, and so I showed up, and I didn't smoke a joint before I got there. But I had my joint are, ready to smoke are, when are I left. Are you going?
0: What? What? Are, why are you going to these meetings? What's going through your mind? Or is it still just well, I don't I'm know why dying. I'm just dying, and I'm maybe you felt a little bit of hope, in in these meetings.
3: Yeah, they want, they had what didn't I have, wanted. You didn't
0: have your drug dealer invited you, but you didn't have anybody in your family or anybody pushing you to go to these. These were all they on your didn't own. Know. Okay,
2: actually what happened next is that I went to this meeting and there were about 200, 300 people there. Wah! Huge hey, the meeting, kind meeting. of like Clancy's Pacific Group up in West L.A., except this was the, I call it the anti-Clancy meeting. Is
0: this Tom Clancy, the author?
2: No, no. it's it's Clancy, this big guru guy yeah, Okay. New pair lots of, of tapes, new pair of, I'll no, that's good. not Clancy. Not the same I I
1: no,
2: that's by Chuck C. Oh, Chuck C., that's right. That's and right, he right, was right. from down here in Laguna. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Actually, um... Clancy has saved probably thousands of lives through, through AA, but Clancy's version of you following it is very rigid and if you're gonna if you're gonna be a speaker from the Pacific group and you go to a meeting you wear you dress. you wear a coat, you wear a, a dress, you suit up and you show up. In Pasadena and South Pasadena, we just showed up in flip-flops. you know it was kind of like casual. real casual, real. whatever. Not real rigid, not really high expectations. And you know what? Both meetings produce tons of sober people. And so anyway, I show up at this meeting. There are like 300 people. I'm not real good with that many people. And I go walking in, and who should come down the hall but a woman named Betsy, who I took care of, her three kids when I was 16 years old. Mm, Babysat Down at wow. Dana Strand when it used to be a high-class trailer park. Oh, and that's I'm my so girl right there. Not many of you remember the trailer park down there.
1: Brad's really old, too. So yeah. oh. he, isn't, he isn't active, but he's really old.
2: Is he? Mm-hmm. He looks so young. Oh, say, surfing. say that. Whoa, whoa. Surfing whoa. Keeps I mean, you numb? Say, say that
1: last thing again. No.
2: I said you look really young. Thank not you. that
1: old, but I make fun. it's like a running joke on here. Yeah, people show up and they're like, <laughs> "You're not he's that like old."
0: Sixteen years older than me, so like.
1: Well,
2: I, I was gonna, I gonna say that's because you're a baby. I'm a baby. You're just a baby. I
0: love. I I miss strands the Park. I so yeah, so yeah. yeah. tell my kids. I show them pictures.
2: Well, and and the beach that now, that I spent my summers on growing up was Victoria. Okay. And so we had Ti Treasure yeah. Island right yeah. there, which was the other trailer park, right. and it's now the Montage. Right, right,
1: fifteen so. million dollar homes. If you're listening now, yeah. Um. So, so you see this mom? So That's I see. Crazy. I That's, see
2: Betsy. You're now, thinking this is a mother that had it all together? Betsy is the wife of a very well-to-do. Well, she's very well-to-do, and she is the wife of a very, very high-powered attorney. Wow. And the thing about Betsy is, she was beautiful absolutely beautiful. Her hair was always perfect. Her clothes were always perfect. Her jewelry was always perfect. Nothing out of order. And she comes walking down this aisle towards me. <laughs> and I didn't stop to think what's she doing there. What I did she was, about was you. holy cow, she can't see me. And so I took a dive you behind the chairs. You don't want her to chairs. see her. No, yeah. Yeah. So I took a dive Not behind the chairs. Not realizing that, hey,
1: she's in the same
2: And the next what? thing I know, she's going, Janet? <laughs> Janet Kennedy? What are you doing down there? And I lost an earring.
0: That's <laughs> the lie I told her.
2: And so funny. She, See, the addicts
1: were so like. So,
2: you know, it turned out she had three years of sobriety uh. at the time, and she you didn't even come to your
1: head at that point that this person. No, she took me out to dinner afterwards,
2: their. and I never smoked that joint, mm. and I never had another drink.
0: Oh, that was that, that was, was the, it. That's your sobriety date you that
1: realizing day. Realizing that someone else isn't that crazy when you finally identify that we're yeah. not the only. And, and it's like so different for all of us, but like it's it's so divine because it's not like it's a lot it's not like there's no way to relate it. It's not like you cognitively made that decision it just it just like it all of a sudden clicks like yeah for me, I remember it like it was yesterday, but it was not a dis- I wasn't like going there that day like this is gonna be my day that I'm gonna kick this thing right It just like all of a sudden clicked, and I'm like, oh, that person shared and I'm like. If that person can do it, I can do it. Like, or, you know, uh, maybe I don't need so to do that So not a, not a
0: premeditated no, sobriety No, it's not date. like normal
1: life. Not at all. Is that, not like is, that, is, that,
0: is that very common? Is there, I've never thought of this before. Some yeah. have like a, do some a, people have a premeditated, like, I am going to get sober on San that date?
1: That I don't very mind few. But more very people, few. it's Very more, few. More people, okay. just you wake up and you're Because like, the reality
2: is, is that to surrender, you have to hit bottom. And you can't decide, I'm going yeah, to hit bottom today. on, on Tuesday 8th. at
0: 9 p.m., right. I'm going to hit my bottom.
2: Compliance, you can do it that way. Okay, totally. But compliance doesn't generally end That's up with you sober. Gotcha. It either sets you up for lots and lots of relapses, or it sets you up for sticking your foot in the water and then saying, nah, and, and those are gone. the people
1: you've seen, Brad, that have come in here, gets ready, and they bounce, and then they show up six months
0: later or a year later, go crying. Or I've heard them. stories of people like... Hey, one more birthday bash. And yeah, then yeah. after all that, excuses, right? after the 4th of July, then I'm going to get sober. Or a
1: loved one brought alcohol, so then they had to drink. And, you know, it's oh, those, okay, that's those, interesting. all about those
0: people.
2: Yeah. Yeah, okay. And so this never was me. What I realize now is that that morning when I was sitting in front of the TV and I knew there was no hope for me, is that was when I experienced what we call pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. Mm. And I knew there was no help for me. I knew I was hopeless. I couldn't fix what was wrong. How much time
0: between that 700 Club show to when you saw Betsy, was her name? A week. It was one week, okay.
2: But from that show to me getting a phone call from a dealer taking me to my first meeting was less than 24 hours. Okay. And I showed up. From there, I showed up the next week at the same meeting and they said, stay later, and somebody at that later said, show up. But On it all Wednesday night, each other, like and Wednesday online. night is when Betsy was there,
3: yeah.
2: and she took me to a restaurant. I think it was called Wild Time, and she stayed with me until her comment was, "Can you go home and not get loaded tonight and just go to bed?" And I finally was so tired. I think it was like one in the morning or something. I said, "Yeah," and I did, and it was the first night since I'd been raped. And someone all ask you.
1: And you're and at a level. Mm-hmm. I
2: did, but the next morning at work, I like to say I went started going through withdrawals, although at the time they said marijuana didn't have withdrawals. I begged to differ, but that's for another story.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And
0: we'll the, the next
2: day, um, I'm sitting at my desk at the Hartford Insurance Group in the Equitable Building in mid wilshire Los Angeles, with my company car downstairs and my corporate American Express card and my pumps, and I'm sobbing. I mean, I'm sitting at my desk and I cannot control myself, and I'm losing it. And I called Betsy, and I, <laughs> and I started hyperventilating, and that's not like me. And I started hyperventilating, and um, within about three hours, she had me at St. Luke's Medical Center in Pasadena and checked me into the share unit, um, where I proceeded to tell them they wrote, they ran a really lousy program, and I could do it better than them, because I obviously was much smarter. Um, we addicts
1: can look down in the gutter. Like, while well, we're mm-hmm. in the gutter, we can look down on people mm-hmm. still. We're I, like was, the only people
2: I was working with do. a cocaine addict the other day, and it cracked me up because she said that when she was in treatment back in the early 90s in cocaine, the big thing in treatment is that cocaine addicts always think they're superior to alcoholics. Isn't <laughs> so funny? You know, and so do heroin addicts. Like a
1: heroin addict. addicts to meth addicts, to yeah, meth to yeah, this. Yeah. It's is like, that there's
2: this hierarchy and, and, in, and in pecking chaos. order. chaos,
1: like a pecking order in complete insanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I said we're like, we're... We're like no
0: other creatures. Yeah, I, I, I did have a friend that was—he uh, he thought he was doing cocaine, and then he found out I was doing meth, and he was—he was so <laughs> hung up that he's like, "No, listen, I thought it was coke." I'm like, "Who cares what you thought it was?" <laughs> you're like, doing a drug you got a problem? Something. He's like, yeah, but I want to make sure you realize I thought it was uh, cocaine because, because this guy coke is still had a pre cool. Yeah, Coke cool. is the rich drug. Coke is cool. Uh, back in the day, was the I know,
2: deep I know judges, I know mm-hmm. attorneys, mm-hmm. I know so doctors." That and I know street so people. see how crazy?
1: Mm-hmm. This is crazy because mm-hmm. this is how rapid it can happen, but not really because it was a lifetime of chaos. Yeah. So, it looks like it's rapid, but really it's a lifetime of slowly getting to that yeah. demoralization where you're at the point where you're like, I am disgusted. I remember the last time I took a pill to try to get high, like actually try to take. Lexi had been gone for a couple months. It was Christmas mm-hmm. Day. Um, I had my son. She didn't because that, that was the decision. We were like, hey, I'll, I'll separate from you, but I'm taking him for Christmas. And um, you know whatever, is, if that was gonna get her or something, you know, stupid. But I remember I, a buddy of mine who's not here, who's been on, who's been here before, who's still using. And I think he's back in the hospital. Got some Percocets that he stole, and he said, "Here's a Percocet." He gave me a couple. That was all he could afford to give me, and I didn't have any money. And um, I remember taking, saving it for Christmas so I could feel because I was in so much pain that my wife left me, and I'm with my son, and this is just horrible. Just me, my mom, and my son. And We go to her friend's house, and I took it hoping this was going to kick me into gear so I could feel good because that was my go-to. And it did nothing. And not only did it do nothing, it didn't make me down up or anything, it just made me feel like a piece of you-know-what for mm-hmm. still wanting to try and fix it with the same thing that was destroying. I went into the bathroom of this lady's house, my mom's best friend, I looked at myself in the mirror and go, you're a, you're a, you are a complete failure. Mm-hmm. Like, you are, you, are you, you don't even have your wife with you, you have your son who you have no relations you, you Like, you cannot a father. You're sleeping on your mom's cat. Like, all that clicked that last time. And, 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 you know, and then it took years of now doing this the this. But, pitiful, I mean, it was at that, that one.
2: that pitiful yeah. and incomprehensible. And that's the moment. And that's the moment that we become open to the Spirit. Yep. We don't know it, but that's the moment the Spirit can actually... It's, it's like being brokenhearted. It's
0: the brokenhearted. You know, it's broken hearted. the brokenhearted
2: that, that after I converted, when I went for my, my provisional temple recommend, I remember... Um he asked me, you yeah, know, some of my big, some of my bigger sins, you know, I think we kind of, because I'd worked yeah. all 12 steps, a lot of them were already cleared, but, but my interviewer definitely keyed on a couple and he goes, "Are you broken-hearted?" And it was so interesting because sitting in the interview, it was a deliberate time and a deliberate place. And it wasn't the same expression as when I hit bottom. And when I ex- hit bottom, bottom, the broken-heartedness that I experienced there is next level. Is beyond. I mean, I'm watching. Yeah. I'm watching Jay, and if anybody just saw me, just shuddered, and I've got yeah. goosebumps because it's this level of dying inside. And heavenly Father goes, "Gotcha." Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, "Gotcha." Um, and so when I was first asked in my third step. To define what my higher power was, I'm sorry. Second step, because in the second step it says came to believe that a, God, a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Well, that's a two-part step. One is there's a power greater than ourselves, and then the other is is that we have to decide we're insane. Yeah. And that's
1: not easy to do. That's not easy uh, to do, do when you're driving a company
2: car and you've got a college yeah. degree. Especially and, if you haven't
1: hit, bo- like, you know, financial bottom. You're
2: running around in in social circles totally. that are pretty high up. And it's a
1: lot easier when you're on the streets. It's a lot harder for those that are still successful. Yeah.
2: You know, I, I two weeks before I got sober, I got a huge promotion and a national award. And it was like, it's really hard. To surrender at that point when you're like... But... So what I was doing, so this is beyond the point where I hit my bottom, but this is where it's like, okay, who is this higher power? Because by now I believe in miracles. I might have only been 30 days sober, but I believe so in miracles seen, seen because yeah. I, no, now I'm, I'm sober. a miracle. Yeah.
0: Okay. I'm I struck sober. Yeah. You know,
2: all of these events, did any of these happen by accident? No, none mm-hmm. of them. St. Luke's was the right treatment center for me. I'm so grateful. They told me they could do nothing for me. They could give me a safe environment not to use in, but that only AA and the 12 steps could keep me sober, and that getting sober was the easy part. We'd all done it a million times, but staying sober is the thing that none of us could do, and I don't know why I believed them, Um, but I dove into 12-step, and so here I am on my my third step, and I had heard a speaker talking about writing a list of everything he believed in that, that was um, his higher power. And he said that he wrote and he wrote, and so I practiced and I wrote and I wrote. But the caveat was that he then said, but then he gave it to his sponsor who took a red pen and drew a line through almost everything in his list, and he kept saying, commonly held religious belief, parentally induced belief. And anything that had been imposed from the outside in got erased. Anything that was biblical got erased. And, you know, I can only imagine what people who were born and raised in the LDS church feel or any other religion, the Catholics, any, yeah, the Lutherans, coming in feel when they're told they can't use the God exactly of, re, their,
0: regurgitated, of, uh, their, of their religion,
2: especially if they're active. To be that higher power that gets them sober. I, I, I can't even imagine that. So, what I did is I wrote my list and then I crossed off everything, and it was true. Almost everything on my, everything from my concept of God was something I'd been told or learned, and it had never quite fit quite right because I didn't feel quite right. Not because it was wrong, but because I didn't feel quite right. And so, what I ended up doing was And this is what this guy had shared at a speaker meeting, and he had said, so what his sponsor had him do was sit down and say, from your own experience, write down something that you can prove from your own experience. And even if it's one thing, that becomes your higher power. And that was my tipping point from having only the group as my higher power to having something ethereal, something outside of me. And my higher power was patient. Because all those years, when it was time, when I finally hit that pitiful incomprehensible, he was there. Boom, right there. So very patient, just waited.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Loved me enough to wait probably my whole life if I'd chosen, but just waited. So patient became one of the things. And the next one was merciful, because the things that I had been doing weren't worthy. Of being saved and transformed the way I was with sobriety I if it had been justice I would have gotten sent to jail and so my God wasn't just my God was merciful and those two characteristics and there's the third one that I frankly can't remember now all these years later but there were three and those were my first higher power and that's when I began to to transform and work the steps um,
1: yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's really yeah. gnarly when you think about what you just said. I mean, especially for those who are listening that are members of the church um, or of any church, um, we get this concept, and they talk about in the Jordan Charlie tapes. For some reason, right, he says, we, we, we were taught that God was all fire and brimstone. Like, those are the stories with addicts. For some reason, you think that, like, it would be the opposite. We cling to the mercy so we can manipulate and justify. But for addicts and alcoholics, as gnarly as manipulators we are to the world, when it comes to higher power, especially if you're religious already, you think that God's a God of fire and brimstone, not a God of love and mercy. And so that's what keeps us from ever wanting to come back. Because we're like, oh, again? if I come back and get in front of him again, yeah. I'm, I'm done. He's I deserve it. right? It's interesting, though, because the world we manipulate, and I'm not the bad guy, I'm not this, I'm the bad girl. but it would, And, and it's a God, obviously it's the adversary's tool. Right Not. to trick us,
0: but what I also mm, take away is especially in concept with ARP meetings is you hear a lot of shares that tend to be around that sound like regular testimonies,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it, it, it they I think they're coming from a sincere place, but it's also mm-hmm. a lot of regurgitated. This is what I'm supposed to and say you in hear a testimony, the difference, right? You can hear the difference. You can hear
2: difference.
0: We're trained. We're, we're kind of trained, On but but then the difference is when you get to the real like this is how I was transformed. And we're, we're told we're told that the share should be around the step that we're working on or the step we're discussing. Period. Yeah. Don't we don't need your testimony about the Book of Mormon because that's not right. unless that was that was the transformation was it thing. Yeah, wow. and and if you're listening and you're one in recovery in your meetings you, just like the message you heard from that speaker meeting, you need to be that one sharing these profound insights mm-hmm. that to that those newcomers. Yes, yeah, share, share what your specific was how much you know and lead by accept. example so that the others in the room can follow those examples. Because we've all, I mean, church culture and LDS culture is like, testimony, I'm sharing my thoughts. It needs to sound like what I hear on Fast Sundays.
1: I know this, I know that. I know, I know this, I know this I know.
0: and that's not what in a share same, is.
1: So gnarly so that what you're saying is like even in the same... Tonality, right? Like, I mean, when you hear people pray in the church or, mm-hmm. or spirit testimonies, this is so conditioned, and, and this would be
0: anywhere. It, this is in all-religion, all-society. This we, happens, we, right? But I mean, the scriptures are yeah. clear. Like, don't do vain repetitions. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't. Like, we know this is. We, we know we're know told. Our, oh yeah, it is. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, on a mission like, teach me, yeah, teach that's me. like a Vayner- yeah, that's You've like a vain repetition. Yeah, you never heard that before.
3: Uh-uh.
1: The Book of Mormon talks specifically oh, yeah. about like because there's this I've read there's the ram-yumpton, they get up on this yeah. tower
0: and they would like they convert say these and then of prayers, course they get they and these get blessings and then they turn into this like and this true. and so we're <laughs> we're to counsel to not do vain repetitions, but we all fall into that trap. And what it's I'm saying is, if you're trying to get sobriety and recovery, you definitely can't fall into that trap based upon what you said and what we've experienced and what I've seen. Yeah. So that's and what we're powerful. talking about is so true. There
1: was someone who came to the meeting tonight who's not a member, or not like a, she's not one of us. She's not an addict, um, um, but has a lot of loved ones who are and have struggled. But she suffered with depression, anxiety, and things like that. But she, I was talking to her tonight and saying the same thing you're saying. You can tell the difference between the share that is. Of the experience versus the regurgitated. I need to get something out because if I don't, people may think I'm this, that, and the other, and I'm not doing good. It's like this spiritual check-in that's not really spiritual at all. It's just regurgitated uh, stuff that you've, you know, you've heard since primary, um, which you know is great and grand. But the ones that saved my life and your life and the stuff that all of us that have been on this podcast um, or anyone out there is the the person who's like. my my kids still don't talk, you know, like, you know, but I'm still sober today or I buried my own kid or I buried my husband or my wife or whatever. I'm, you know, I went to jail for 10 years. There was a guy in our meeting who was in prison, you know, and he had to do his eighth step with his, one of his daughters in prison and she didn't forgive him. And uh, I remember hearing that my second or third meeting and I was like, whoa, like I've had very little problems. I've just held on. I've I've been traumatized by some things, but I, my life's been pretty cool. Like, it's been pretty good compared to some other people. So, anyways. But, but your stress
0: could be as high Total level as his. Yeah. You're teddy, that's, your that's, teddy bear. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But what I'm saying is uh, I wouldn't have related to my own problems if other people weren't sharing real stuff. Yeah. That original meeting me and Xander went to was exactly what she's describing. There was no one talking about uh, Elder Uchtdorf's talk or so-and-so. You know, pre- I mean, those are all great, but that meeting was so like an A or N.A. meeting but it, we opened with a prayer, we talked about Christ, we talked about these things in the steps, but it was all about the experience that that per- no one was fake sharing. Right. And I'm so, we are so lucky. Me and Xander walked in there and if you were going to BS like we would have I would have been out of there so quickly. I was ready to go. I was already thought that's how it was going to be and when it wasn't, I well, cool.
2: And the therapist in me um and I got to specify it because this is in the therapist role I would hope that anybody that's getting sober that is LDS would, yes, come to ARP, because, frankly, it's 12 steps on steroids. Yeah. I, I'm so Amen. in love with the ARP program, it's not even funny, because it is, it's like, it's Bill and Bob to the what's well, It's tenth, what they were trying to find. Power. It's what yeah.
1: they were trying to get to the full. Um,
2: and they did. Yeah. But, you know, the big book wasn't written until they were, the program was about 10 years sober and it's written pretty humanly yeah. you know it's definitely inspired. but anyway none of that totally. but what i would hope as a therapist is that not only do people do arp but that they also go to regular 12 step mm-hmm. non church sponsored mm-hmm. because i think it's really important real to break
0: well, especially in, in break. areas of the church where there may be one or two people in an arp meeting and you know it we're for, oh, yeah. we're fortunate here to have uh, a well functioning groups nine. groups close by with a lot of people with recovery. But even in the 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 what do they call the Utah state again? The Zion, Zion yeah, yeah, the, the land the land of the milk. I don't know the beehive the beehive state. state that's what i was looking it. for. State. Even in the lovely beehive state, there are meetings with you know, a, a cute missionary couple with their name tags up, they got called. Been there. That, yeah, that are sitting in front of the room <laughs> and you've got two or three people in the room, no one with recovery, and they, you know, they're doing their darndest.
2: They have the greatest intent. The greatest intent, darling, yeah. And But, they but people are truly, dying. People are dying. But people are dying. Yeah. So. And I know that I sat, um, I just moved back from Utah about five years ago. And um, when I was in Utah... I went. I'm a. I'm a basically a daily meeting goer. I have for 33 years. It's, it's just, just what, what I do. do it. yep. It's just what I do. So you've
0: experienced those it's, meetings. If anybody
2: remembers around. the the old V8 commercial where they w- have the person walking kind of sideways down yeah. the street, yeah. you know, like they're V8. off kilter. Um, they're walking sideways, and then they, they grab a V8. V8. So I should have had a V8, and, no, and suddenly whoop. they're and suddenly they're walking right yeah. upright and straight. <laughs> Love well, that. <laughs> that's what a meeting does for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't go to meetings because I'm going to relapse today. I go to meetings they work. <laughs> because they do for me what drugs and alcohol used to do. They keep me connected. They keep me reminding that God is running my life. I'm not. Being a member of this church, that does also. But there's something that happens in an AA meeting because we all come together because of our pain. We all come together together. For the common thing that we all lost ourselves Mm -hmm. and we all were dying,
1: which is what church is supposed to be. Like I mean, and
2: and when I go in, and AA was my first real church.
1: But that's what church is supposed to be. When you read the Book of Mormon, this is what the founding when when these pioneers were founding the church in the Book of Mormon, the Laman Lemuel's ancestors or Nephi's ancestry, like that's what they would all come together because they were afflicted. They were brought down and tormented by either the Lamanites or the Nephites, whoever depending on who was wicked. <laughs> you know, they were come together, common broken heart, and that's anyway. So. And.
0: Well. Okay. Go ahead. Finish that cuz uh we're running long and we're going yeah, to the I'm next Yes,
2: running- nobody's going to listen to this. Uh, no, yes they, they yes
0: right. they will. No, No, we haven't done anything. Ne- ne- next people are wondering if we quit again. Yeah, next next one we're going to do is we're going to talk about How your conversion story the and then the next mm-hmm. one we're going to go and and get some specifics about therapy and Perfect. things like that. Perfect. So this is um, more the introduction. Yeah, this introduction of who you are and the I think we I'm a
2: messy person. I'm a messy human being. And if if for anybody out there, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a judge, a baker, you know, a mass murderer, what no matter what you are out there, the thing to remember whether you you're whether you're a state president, yes. whether you're a state president, when you have this disease, it will take you out. And there is in my experience only one true solution. And I'm living that a day at a time, but it's a gift. And I could walk away from that at any time, but I know and we talk about this in the 12th step, that what this sets us up to do is also what the LDS Church does so beautifully, is it sets us up to recognize that for the rest of our lives, one day at a time, my mission is to be of service. Mm-hmm. Amen. Period, end of story. That's a perfect place
0: to end. Okay. Like it. So uh, let us know what you think. And uh, now that we've, we'll see if we can get you back on and, uh, well, within I definitely the next week. We'll do a
1: clinical like, one where yeah. we'll, we'll have time to write some good questions. And, yes. Oh, but I wanna, if you're listening, maybe you can throw out some
0: questions. Oh, there yeah, you go. Yeah. Send ask, us ask the therapist. Oh, yeah. Um, because when we do this, oh, they'll actually write us so emails. Much fun. Yeah. yeah, they will. They will. So we, this is actually called Ask the Addict, So that was our question for you. Uh, so get on our Facebook page Instagram page or webpage the 12 stepstochangecom or the next Step and there's a contact to shoot us a question uh, uh, ask the therapist or ask the addict for that matter Lord, and we'll uh, put it on the cast all right so Jay till next He's time accepts
3: a call from thee, help him I direct his footsteps every day and keep him ever walking in thy ways. Inspire him as he spreads the gospel plan. Lord, hold him in.